Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the fun ball. Myself, Vernon K, Darren Fletcher, and of course, the new boy, the new man in tone, Menelik Watson. Now, before we go any further, I have to apologise, fellas. Uh, Menelik, mm. it was only your second, your second uh, show with us, your second fumble podcast. Darren, obviously, you and I have done many, but yesterday or last week, I was absent. And you know what, fellas? As much as I love you, but when Westlife come knocking on your door, asking if you'd introduce them, and the world to their new tour. Sometimes, <laughs> fellas, sometimes you just got to say, boys, I can't make it this week. Mm. Hey, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be taking out with Westlife when I see him. <laughs> You're like your best buddies, right, Menelik? <laughs> <laughs> I did see the real in Manchester on the 24th. I'm sure you'll be there. Hey, listen, the fact that you're checking out their tour date just <laughs> says enough. It just says enough, Menelik. I mean, I mean, I had to see what was so important that the great Vernon Cave would pawn us off. So <laughs> I see they're on tour. So yeah, it's only right. Hey, do you know what? Many a hip hop artist has written about the Benjamins, and that's all it is. <laughs> that's all it oh, is. My about, right. Yeah, I think Absolutely. I think what we should do at this point as well is is ask you that when you finish tonight, we're recording tonight. Right. What are you doing later? Because this is even better. The West Right. Westlife what are you doing? Carries that little bit of street cred. But what are you doing tonight? Well, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> tonight I'm hosting. Hey, don't laugh because it keeps the central eating on. And I genuinely enjoy these kind of things because you get to see all different walks of life. Tonight I am hosting the UK Garden Centre Awards. <laughs> And I think Menelik's face just became a meme. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, mate. You got you like, is that one of them things where like you got you like your measuring sticky, you're measuring turnips and, and, and like zucchinis hey, and that? Hey, well, well, hey, listen, joking aside, right? Joking aside, I've just done a rehearsal, right? And there is a fella on one of the slides tonight who has grown, this is no word of a lie, a 15 foot marrow. No, absolutely not. 15 absolutely. foot but 15 foot by six and a half foot. I'm telling What's you, me? I'm telling you, it's massive. It's like Godzilla did a turd in your front garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. I, wow. I will I will I will grab that picture and we'll have it on the podcast next week. I promise yeah. you, this fella's grown a marrow, which is the size of a transit van. It's ridiculous. Will you do something for me tonight when you speak to this individual. Will you, A, take him to the bar and buy him his first ever pint of lager? (laughs) (laughs) Will you, B, then take him and introduce him to his first woman? And then just (laughs) do it, because there's got to be more to life than growing a 15-foot marrow. I mean, I kind of get that. When you walk in the room and go, look at the size of my marrow, great, you get a few oohs and ahs. But what is the pleasure 
that you get right. in that. He's, he needs more. He needs more layers to this match. Does, yeah. Does he? Does does he eat it? Or like, what happens? Does he right. harvest it at some point? Like, spends all day carefully injecting saline to the right <laughs> amount of parts, just so the thickness and density is just this, at the right. This, this marrow. It's got one of them big fat heads like the HGH boys. But you know, hey, horses for courses, Darren. Do you know what? Like you, you collect football jerseys right. as we can see behind you. And Menelik, I'm sure you're into something that's a bit bizarre. I'm into yeah. I fly model air, radio controlled aeroplanes and I collect mm-hmm. various bits of garbage, which we've yeah. talked talked about on the past on the yeah. podcast. It's whatever floats your boat, innit? Whatever yeah, keeps you all of which is better than growing marrows. So we're <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's trying to end world famine. Hey, Darren, hey, Vern, that's what it, you, it might be a northern thing. I think it's all right as long as they, as long as they're happy. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, fellas, uh, when it comes to the NFL, we've got lots to talk about, and I, I'm going to kick us off if you don't mind. As always, unrehearsed, I'm going to kick us off. Uh, Fines. I'm going to get... I'm two-footed straight in with fines in the NFL because we, now that we've got Menelik on board, Darren, you and I can get a more in-depth look, an inside approach on these fines that NFL players are getting. So Aaron Rodgers this week, it's been it's been everywhere. He got fined $14,000 for lying about his vaccination status. And then C.D. Lamb got a dollars $20,000 fine for something which was so inane and ridiculous i've completely forgotten what it was but it was stupid absolutely stupid the uniform violation of it was a uniform violation he didn't have his jersey tucked in that's what it was he didn't have his jersey tucked in menelik first of all are players consciously aware of the fines? does it matter to them because we stereotype people like darren and i stereotype about the money that some nfl boys are on you can afford 15 grand you can afford 10 grand do players play consciously aware of the fines and how does the fine come through? And when you open that saying you owe us 20 grand, are players generally pissed off? Absolutely. And I think that goes <laughs> with anyone. Like, you lose two quid, mate, you know what I mean? And you're kind of furious. But um, I was fine. Uh, they have a system, so sometimes you get you get your weight and they might have one at a certain weight. So you've got to be either above or below, depending if you're a small guy, what you weight up. But I was fined, uh, what was it? Was it two, $250 per pound overweight I was one year? Is that by uh, the Raiders or by the league? That was by the Raiders. That's more, than, have... that's more than it costs for Wagyu beef. No, actually, I'm lying. I'm lying. It was a grand. It was a grand per pound over you were. So, you, wow. You could get a pound of Wagyu beef for less than $1,000. A grand, mate. <laughs> absolute grand. I was, I was what? I think I was three pounds overweight one one day, and I never was overweight again. I was made. You are officially made of the most expensive meat in the world, my friend. <laughs> hey, it's still not. It's, it, it's still not going to get you a table at Salt Bay, though, is it? You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's like, but you know, everyone thinks kind of relative to how much the guys make. I think they broke down what Aaron Rodgers got fined, and it said it's like the equivalent of someone making, I think, average or minimum wage, and it's like thirty three pound, thirty three dollars, and it's every player. No player wants to lose any money. We work too hard for it. The sport hurts. There's a lot of hours put into it. You don't want to do away with your money. And if you do, you want to do it under your own circumstances. You want to blow it on a brand new car or something shiny, right? But Did you, you see him smile want... then, Darren, when he <laughs> said that? <laughs> Spend your money on stuff you want. Well, you, yeah, you're right. You work hard for it. Right? You know, and, Mentally, uh, you work hard for it. You don't want to give it away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the uniform thing is something they're very, very stringent on. They got they actually probably one of the only few jobs they hire ex-players for, but you see a lot of ex-players become uniform officers in a sense, as we call them. And they'll come in and they'll check. And if you go out for your first warm-up, they'll let you know certain things are in violation. And you then you have a choice of if you want to keep wearing it or not. Uh, if someone didn't want CD Lamb, then that's an issue that he can probably appeal and try and get his money back. But if someone's warned him on his way in and out of the stadium or the field, then it's on him then. I think I was fined one year. I think my spat or something, my tape didn't match the rest of the team or whatever. Um, So it's one of those kind of precarious situations that it's kind of like a minor and you don't really want to blow it up because little things like that is what a coach doesn't want to hear. It's like, hey, you know, CD wasn't wearing his uniform properly. But the way they do it is you don't, you, you get your check. I think it's on a Tuesday or the next following week. And if you check the print on the receipt strip, 
it will they'll just take it out direct debit so you never really see it it's just that you, you, the, the the final fee might have dropped a little bit so they'll take out you know the, the tickets home tickets if you bought them they'll take out any fines anything like that so there's no haggling do you know what i mean it's like we take it you can appeal it maybe get something back but if not you kind of just asked out mate fellas are we are we is it only me or are we, are we, are we missing the point to a large extent the, the national football league last week made the decision that cd lad having his shirt outside his trousers was a more serious violation than Aaron Rodgers lying about being vaccinated, going into press conferences unvaccinated around potentially vulnerable people over the period. The NFL this week has totally made a mockery of its own COVID policy. Nobody would need to follow it now for 14 grand in, in fines. And they, they've told every player in the league and the whole of America and the world that it's a more serious issue if you untuck your jersey in a game <laughs> than if you totally ignore the COVID protocols, which I think yeah. in the current climate, for a league as PR-conscious and as savvy as the NFL, is absolutely astounding. It really is. That's why this story's yeah. blown up, Darren. Yeah. Attention to detail, I've always said it. I think the NFL, such being such a large entity, right, and with, with, with the team having so many players on the roster, then you've got so many members of staff, then you've got a bunch of people working in these multi-billion dollar businesses that aren't a part of the, the actual game, right? You would assume that they would be on top of all these things. And it's kind of, with each one of these little incidents coming, I think it just shows that there still is a lot of work to be done, even in a billion dollar corporation where you kind of, how can you miss that? How can you find a guy for violating something that you see as very detrimental to somebody's life 14 grand, but then because a kid wants to just... Sometimes it's comfortable wearing your jersey out. I've been in games where it's gotten physical, my jerseys out. I'm not thinking, oh, hey, i got a snot bubble. Let me pull me bloody jersey before <laughs> I look uniform. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're not really thinking about that, but you'll take more aggressive action, right, on this uniform violation than you do Crazy. this guy you know, mis misleading everyone with his COVID status, right? And that'll be the headlines, right? But within the organisation, how seriously are you taking it? And it's what, like I said last week, everything is very individual based and you've got some people who believe in it strongly and some people who don't. So they can't, can't trying to find a happy medium. But one thing you can definitely show a united front on is we're going to find you 14 grand for kind of this thing that we're seeing as very, very deadly or very... Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, you're putting mandates on the world right now because of this virus. But you're finding 40 grand, but this kid's wearing his uniform a little certain way. You're finding 20 grand, and I think that's something they need to assess. Can I throw? Can I throw this at both of you? Because I don't know whether you're going to bring this up next, Vern, but it does tie in a little bit before we go on to the, the other stuff that, that, that we're going to talk about this week. But it's not a fine. But we talked about this a lot. That there are these ridiculous taunting penalties. In the oh. NFL. Now, Monday night football was the Bears against the Steelers. Yeah. And Cassius Marsh, who was a practice squad player that morning, elevated to the, the roster for the night game. Monday night football in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh never lose on Monday night at home. The Bears are a rebuilding franchise. Now, Cassius Marsh gets um, activated off the practice squad and he has a big play. I think it was a sack. Ends a drive. Bears are going to get the ball back. Bears should win the game. All he does is walk towards the Pittsburgh sideline and stand there briefly and then goes back towards Chicago sideline. On his way back to the Chicago sideline, he actually gets hip-checked by the referee, yeah. Tony Carrenti, who actually instigates the contact between him and the player. Yeah. Chicago get the penalty. Pittsburgh get the win. And this has been going on all week. I've never mm. seen... And by the way, had that been the other way round, had the player instigated the contact with the referee, you An are ejection. ejection, suspension, yeah. and you're talking in six figures, never mind about 14 right. COVID. So please explain to me what the hell is going on with this 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 league when you get you can't take the emotion out for they used to call it the yeah. no fun league, didn't they? When you couldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. Yeah, now, yeah. You can't show any kind of emotion when you make a big play, because if you do, it's considered taunting. And these guys go through so much during the course of 60 minutes, the physical pain, the effort, 
the athletic ability that you need, the brain power. Of course, yeah. when you make a play like that, you're going to emotionally explode. You can't stop that, Vern, can you? No, Darren, and, and before we get the pros' perspective on this, right, I'm going to give you the fans' perspective yes. because I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to mix my words. This taunting penalty is really pissing me off this season. Right. And I'll tell yeah. you why. Because you've got grown-ass men mm-hmm. who, from the age of seven, have played American football to be in the NFL, right? You've learned the game. You've become a student of the game. You understand what it takes to be in the NFL. Some people don't because they're playing with the shirt untucked, but that's <laughs> fine. You're on a... You're on the gridiron. You're playing for one of 32 franchises that have got a global reputation. So you put on your lid, and as soon as you put on that helmet, Menelik, you'll be more than aware of this. You become Mm -hmm. a beast. You become a zoned-in animal who has been caged and is now, once you get that helmet on, you've been released to do what you're paid to do. You're paid to play in a physical sport. You're paid to beat other men up. You're paid to dominate the person opposite you. So you've got a lot of adrenaline. All that muscle mass that you've been training in the off-season to build up, it all comes to fruition. And when you put those two together, three things together, adrenaline, mindset, and muscle, you're going to get someone who doesn't care about banter on the field, who's going to let their tongue slip, who's going to let the banter ride. They're not thinking about a taunting flag because you're in your zone. You've got that blinker mentality. And when these flags are flying for taunting, I'm like, hang on a minute. You didn't even say anything to him. You didn't even say anything in this direction. And this thing about, oh, standing over a player and letting him be known what you've done to him. To me, that's sport. That's what I'm paying my entrance fee for in the stadium. I want to see the gladiators compete. I want to see them go (laughs) nose to nose. Vern, explain this to me. Vern, while you're, while, while, and I I agree with everything you're saying, but explain this to me as well. So, what is okay though is there isn't. Well, when you get a turnover, all 11 guys can run into the end zone and stand there and line up in whatever pose they're doing for a pick. But that's not taunting. But if you look at the opposition sideline, that's a 15-yard penalty and it costs you the game. <laughs> well, not only that, not only that, Darren, they brought back celebrations. They made a thing of celebrations. Yeah. Right? There's not yeah, as many right. this season because I think right. the guys are realising how immature and pathetic some of them were. Yeah. The majority of celebrations were in the away end facing right. the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you're taunting the crowd in America, you could be done for sparking a riot. <laughs> Let's be honest. If it kicked yeah. off, the players would get fined, the league would get fined for yeah, in- no. enticing uh, yeah. extracurricular activities in the stadium. But you can't do like me and Menelik can't have a bit of banter on the field, even though we went to college right. together, even though we've got right. history in our football right. relationship. That doesn't right. matter. I can't say right. to you, Menelik, you screwed up there, buddy. So you're like, yeah, yeah. well, there you right. go, 15 right. yards. Right. What right. is all right. that about? But in this, not getting- well, in this case, the individual that we're talking about, Cassius Marsh, Marsh yeah. is on the practice squad. So the play right. that he's made might Huge. actually reignite his NFL career. Never mind about right. anything else. It's a life changing moment, potentially. So and he got an absolute rollicking coming back to the sideline. How is he supposed that. to just go, well, I won't show any emotion then? Because yeah. if you do that, how can you possibly do the job that you're being paid to do out there? You, Very true. I find it astonishing. And then to get hip-checked by the referee on your way oh, up. I mean, yeah. how, how he didn't turn around and level Tony Carrente, I've got no idea with all that <laughs> adrenaline running through his veins at that well, Here's what I'll say. Here's how I'll start it, right? I'll be devil's advocate. I'll start on the referee side. And I I understand the taunting penalty to a, to a certain degree. You kind of have to have a level of understanding of the game and understand what's going on. How many NFL refs have actually played the game at that level and understand the emotions that are running through guys. So, because I get it. It's like, yeah, like I've seen the smallest gesture Insure right, and and these are things that happen in training camp, in joint practices, in preseason games. I'm talking about guy makes a big play on their sideline, said something. Guys in the in the group that surrounding the player, I've marked him, and it's like, all right, like if we see you again, have that same energy, right? And later on, it might ensue into something. So, in a standpoint, I do understand why the referees kind of have to control it, but it's 
out of hand. It's it's almost similar to years ago, the NBA, um, they did the no, no argument policy. So if a player showed any emotion of any kind, it was a technical. And you're talking NBA technicals, 25 grand straight away. Boop, right? It's like referee called a foul. He said, what? And it's like, boop, technical. And it almost like ruined the league because you were creating robots. Now, football's robotic enough, right? Everyone knows what route they got to run, the type of steps they got to take as an offensive lineman. If it's a 300 protection, you know the type of set. You want to take a solid set. If it's a if it's 600, 700, anything, seven-man, six-man drop back, you know. So every call is a certain level of technique and movement that needs to be applied with whatever call. So it's robotic enough. So when, so, like you said, when someone does make a play, it's now time to... There's a lot of pressure, right? And a defensive lineman could rush me. We we might run 75 plays, eight plays in a game. We might throw the ball 50 times. He might get three pressures and a sack. That's four plays in 50 plus. That means the other 40 times I'm kicking his ass. He's not getting close. So when you get to that point, yes, there's a level of emotion. Now we're talking about Cassius Marsh, who I love. He's been in the round of the league. He's a tough guy. He goes wherever he goes. He fits in. He's got his own style, his own swag, his own level of confidence, right? He's been he's been gone off the radar for a while, so it kind of surprised me seeing him out there. You made a big play to potentially beat the Steelers at the Steelers with a struggling season. You've just come off practice squad. Let him have his moment. Let him have it as long as he's not saying nothing, he's not waving his arms. He can look. I've seen that plenty of times. I, I, guy make a tackle on the sideline, he's looking over the coaches. I've heard guys cross at head coaches. <laughs> like, look, like, and I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, shit, you might be playing here one day. But some coaches like that. They're like, some some coaches might like a guy that comes to the sideline and talks a little shit on the sideline because it's like, when he becomes a free agent, let me keep my eye on this kid because this kid's got a bit of different moxie about him and he's always assignment, right? But he's got this little, the fact that he came to me, I'm the head coach and was talking shit to me, right? So, you got to allow a kid like that, but how many times is a referee going to understand a player um, based on his scenario? It's like, it's Cassius Marsh, he's off the practice squad, he's just made a big play, like you said, to resurrect his career. Is a referee understanding what's going on? Is a referee understanding, like, nah, there's a lot of emotion coming out of this kid. A lot what of kind, what kind of banter like goes that. around, Menelik? What, what, like, is it personal stuff? Is it just, like, you know, bloke sometimes, stuff? Sometimes it can be personal. Sometimes, I mean... For example, uh, 2014, we played in New England and I had a really great training camp, um, was a star. I ended up pulling me at Flexor right before I think the third preseason game, coach Benjamin. I was absolutely furious. I worked my ass off in the offseason. Um, so we go to New England the week before we go to England to play the Dolphins game. And I was, I remember I was furious. I remember calling me agent, you know, oh, I, want, I want to trade. If you're not going to play me, I'll go somewhere else. I'm watching all the other guys in my class playing and I'm not playing. And so that game, I was playing extra tight end. So I was coming in and out of the game. And one play, I go in and I got Vince Wolfock, right? In a, in a, in a, in a four, I five technique, right? And it's really rare, but they, they did that to the off-balanced, me being off-balanced tight end. So we have a pass play, I grab Vince and I'm holding Vince, right? And he can't move and he doesn't like the fact I'm holding him. So he slaps my hand or whatever. And after the play is thrown, he gets all in my face, right? And he's talking shit. And I'm like, oh, I said, all right. I said, watch, I said, I got something for you. So when he said that, he kind of like, he like mushed me like, oh, make me my helmet. So I said, all right, watch. I said, next time I'm coming back, so I've got something for you. Watch this. So I come out of the game. I actually don't go back in the rest of the game. So I'm on the sideline, fucking stewing. Sorry for my language. I'm absolutely stewing. Like, I'm getting mad. I'm like, I can't believe this guy tried me. I can't believe he tried me. I don't care who he is. After the game, I'm going to go check him. I'm going to go check him. And so... You know, he gets the he gets the winning interception in the game. Uh, uh, we're in the red zone, high red. We're, we scored. Referee called a bogus holding call on Gabe Jackson. Bring the ball back. Next play, Derek throws the ball. He gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Vince grabs the whip, grabs the interception. So now I'm thinking, all right, if I go over and just start wailing on this guy, while the, like he just got the interception, he's got all these cameras around him. So I run over anyway, and after like the cameras kind of dissipate, and there's actually a picture if you type in. Mainly what's in Vince Wilford. There's a picture of us kind of embracing. So I walk over to him and I say, hey, bro, I said, I said, don't ever mush me ever again. And he was like, oh, you're young and I know, I know you're a Florida State kid. I'm a Miami guy. 
you know, I love the way you play, young and blah, 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 blah. And we just kind of had a little embrace and that was it. And then all of a sudden I saw this picture circulating and I'm like, people don't know the backstory. <laughs> and Vince don't even know. And if he ever watches this, he'll probably know. And obviously it's like, you know, I'm not just talking as him as if he's just a regular guy. You know, for the people out there, Vince Wolfhawk is like 6'3", probably like 400 pounds. He's a big a man. Big, you know big I mean? man. Big, big man. A big heavy man. But at the same time, I just... He's actually, manly, give it right, he's actually the biggest man to ever wear dungarees outside. He wears no shirt, <laughs> he wears no shirt and he just wears dungar- denim dungarees. Yeah. Kobe boots. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I understand that how how small of a gesture can turn into something major without anybody seeing. Because if I would have run out there and just started wailing on him, people are like, well, what's going on with this kid? He's, he's, lost, he's lost his mind. Not understanding that he punched me early in, in the helmet earlier in the, in, the, in the game and no one saw. So when referees look at certain scenarios, they have to be careful in how much they let go. But I think they're going overboard with it. And I think that's always part of like new policies that referees implement going into a season. They, they're a bit over the top. And what it's doing, it's actually ruining the game because let's think about it like this. Steelers had a great record in Monday Night Football. It all could have been ruined by the struggling Bears. I think that would have been a better storyline going forward rather than, hey, referee threw an unwarranted penalty call and had the nerve to hip-check him as he's running off the field. I mean, he probably should have got punched for that. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, so now that's the narrative and we're talking about that, but then we... T- but, the fact is, the Chicago Bears had to get on that plane, fly home, watch the film, realize that they had the game won and they've lost the game. Like, and this doesn't just affect that. Like, this is talking Matt Nagy's job now. We're not talking about just a loss in a game. We're talking about a struggling team. They're looking for something new. Matt Nagy's been there for a while. He could lose his job this year. And when you look back on it, say if they were a, a, a nine and eight, right, and and that one loss to the Steelers could have accounted to now them being ten and seven, right, and that's the difference between you keeping your job and all because a referee threw on one of the penalties. So they really have to address it. They really got this, this really, is, really this, address it. This is the point. And, and, and this is the, the, I mean, I'm as far away from playing in the NFL as most people in the world. There are many people further away from the league than I am, right? So that's where I'm coming at it from. But I would say that the, everything you have to go through and you think about, the average length of an NFL career being what two and a half seasons, yeah. and the amount of physical toll that sixty minutes in the NFL takes, let alone a career takes. That yeah. it's such a it's it's such a difficult uh, sport to have longevity in. I think when you take all that into account and you think about the planning that goes into it, and, and the fact there are only seventeen regular season games. You know, only eight stroke nine at home, so the fans don't get to see a great deal of the team. No game ever in the NFL should ever be decided by a penalty for taunting. Ever. Definitely. I don't, I don't get what the taunt is. I don't I don't give a shit. No yeah. game as physical as this and as cerebral as this. Yeah. No game should ever be decided by a penalty for taunting. And they've got to They've got to work this out because this is the first time it's happened this year, but it won't be the last. And if it doesn't happen again this year, it'll happen next year. And the toll that it takes on everyone, you cannot lose based on a taunting call. You just can't. It cannot happen. If they do, the league league will die eventually if that's what happens. And and, and if I'm I'm not mistaken, I, I swear, I think, is it the Broncos last year? Don't swear, man, unless you'll get a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, be- I-, I believe some a team last year I remember watching a team last year had a game won and they were struggling all year and it was the same kind of scenario I think they flew like a unsportsmanlike penalty for something completely inegregious and they ended up putting them in field goal range and ended up kicking a field goal and winning so I- I'm, a- I'm with you and-, and-, and the sad thing is the Monday morning right? like I said coaches get back they watch the film they watched it because I mean, Cassius Mars got his ass chewed out last year, like that after that penalty. Oh, I felt yeah. bad for him as a grown man and a guy who's been struggling—not struggling, but been kind of here, there, and everywhere in the league. I think that was a huge play for him. And then to have that yeah. penalty, the coaches to see the coaches kind of get on him, and he's kind of in limbo. And in a sense, when you're thinking about it in that moment, you think, why couldn't have he just got the sack and walked to the sideline? Mm. 
But then you say, hey, this game is hard enough and this kid has been at home and he just got a sack on Monday Night Football versus the Steelers and they're about to beat their home, their Monday Night streak. Yes, he has every right to celebrate. And like I said, him looking at the sideline isn't egregious. I've seen guys do worse. I've seen guys do worse. And, and, and all he did was he looked at the quarterback, looked over at the sideline, and it's almost like, hey, you see me out here. Like, because he was with the Steelers. I believe he was with the Steelers for a short period of time as well. So I just think it's a bit ridiculous. Oh, look at that. There's the assassin, ladies and gentlemen. Look at him taking his nap before the. Hey, so is he like, is he going to be like standing over your shoulder with the earpiece at these awards tonight? Like, just he, making he, sure no one falls into my He's the guy who's got the, uh, who points the red dot laser at people. <laughs> Hey, he's watching for all flying, flying fruit and veg tonight, mate. Exactly. You mess up the awards, you know, it's like fruit coming your way. That's what that he's is. He's watching really for gets. rogue John Deere tractors. That's what it is. <laughs> people, for those for those people listening, I'm in a hotel room and yeah. my tour manager uh, Eddie is behind me on the on the sofa having a kip. Uh, well, uh, all right, let's just quickly clear this up. I think yeah. it's. I think the NFL, as we know, is a is a game which is ridiculously accessible to the media. Everyone's mic'd up. There's microphones everywhere, and I think this. I think something's gone on somewhere. Uh, and the NFL have said, listen, there's a lot of language flying around. We don't want this to be picked up by a broadcaster. We don't want any any slurs to be picked mm. up on mic because we're all inclusive, A, B and C, all that kind of stuff. And I think this is a precaution this season, and I think it'll get slackened, uh, uh, slackened off next season. Yeah, I get that, Vern, and I think you're probably right. But my answer to that would be, but this is not a Hollywood movie. This is emotional, physical top level sport get the microphones further away then because we can still see it we don't need yeah. to have a microphone stuck up somebody's backside so we can hear them breathing i'm happy to see the game played in a in a physical manner and we yeah. let these athletes be the athletes they want to be and if i don't get the mic up program the following day i can live with that because i don't want this to become sanitized stereotyped yeah. and staged to a large extent as a fan out the NFL is way less physical now. We talk about this a lot, mate, don't we? That when we yeah. first got into this in 85 or whatever it was, it's a different game now. It's a, it's a, it's a lot less physical. I mean, obviously, that the care and the health of the players is a greater consideration for obvious reasons, and we would always say to follow those protocols. But situations like this, if it is, as Vernon's saying there, that it's a, a precaution thing, it's a language thing, it's things being picked up, get the mics to back off a bit and let these guys play, because otherwise... We're going to lose what the lifeblood of this sport actually is. Yeah, and 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 like you, I think um, one thing we just need to always remember too, especially because referees. One thing I've kind of noticed: referees in all sports get a lot of slack. And being a guy who's refereed, I used to referee uh, when I used to play basketball in England, um, and I was very like, I was a type of referee that I would always constantly talk to players, right? When I refereed, and not many like, people are arguing with you, by the way, though. That's beyond <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> I thought you know you would get some, you'd get some guys, but I was always logical, right? And say if there's a point guard guarding a, a guarding another point guard, and he's a handsy point guard, and I would tell him, "Get your hands out, keep your hands out, keep your hands out." Boom, call the foul. So when he turns to me, he's like, "What'd you call out for?" I said, "I told you, keep your hands out." We're not sport, you know what I mean? And that kind of, but not everyone's got that personal ability. I, I watched the NBA a lot, right? And I see the referees like they, they went from being very personable. I mean, these referees were stopping real fights, like real brawls, and getting in the mix, right? And then it became that we had the no tolerate no tolerance policy area era where referees became like, "Don't talk to me. You do your job. Let me do mine." And then it became like, "All right, like." We can talk to certain guys. You saw certain players demanding that, hey, talk to me. Let me know what's going on. And with the NFL, such a fast-moving sport. And you do have some referees that talk to you. I mean, I used to speak to some sometimes, you know, in a timeout. You just, you know, the referees have been watching you. So they'll come and say, hey, you've been playing really well, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And they'll say to me, hey, if I'm if you see anything, let me know. And they'll be like, sometimes the referees come up to me and be like, hey, watch your hold, watch your hands. I saw your hands. I didn't call it. You know, you have those kind of interactions. Uh, um, a controlling a player's emotion is is a very very volatile situation. Like I said, how does a ref know that Cassius Marsh has been dying for this opportunity just to get make one play, and that one play can be enough to reset his career? So how is a referee supposed to understand that? Hey, if he's going to go and celebrate a little bit excessive, then that's it. But then again, like I said, I've seen 
the smallest gesture. I've seen a guy on a kickoff run over to the sideline and stare down a guy. Then all of a sudden, the next kickoff, these two are getting into a full-fledged fight. You know what I mean? And it's like, so we, we kind of, but I think I, I agree with you, Darren. I agree with you, Bernard. I think they're doing way too much right now with this call. And I always say like, as grown men, it's part of controlling your emotions. So if a guy gets a sack on you, as an offensive lineman, it's not my job to say, all right, I'm going to absolutely kill this guy. Physic- like Not in a football way, because he made a play on me. You just channel it. Whenever I would give up a sack, if you watch the next play of me, or I put my hand right through his chest, and he didn't rush the same after, right? So you've got to learn to channel it, and that's part of the game too. I remember my first ever football game, I got me and a guy going to a fight, and I had just been subbed in, we were up by 30, and they put me in. I never forget Pasadena. And I'm blocking this guy. It's my first ever play now. I'm blocking this guy and I've got all of him and I'm squeezing the life out of him. And the ball's gone and everyone's on the field. And me, I'm still holding this guy. And he's getting mad. And all of a sudden, this guy just starts gang banging and telling me about his neighborhood and his set. And I'm like, mate, I can't give a shit less. <laughs> you're, and this is what I said, I said, your gang ain't with you on this field right now. And it started a big old thing and coach pulled me out and the coach told me that if you ever start a fight or do anything like that on this field you'll never play for me again so I learned that because I just thought football was aggression aggression aggression. kind of like rugby guys might fight it out and enjoy if it gets too serious you get a yellow card red card whatever but I realised that it was very detrimental to the team to do something like that so then I started learning to channel it whenever I I give up a bad play or I did well the most entertaining thing you can do is watch my next play because I guarantee you the next play, the guy's going to film me. So I think that's part of it too. I think that's part of the maturity. If someone on the sideline can't handle that Cassius Marsh is staring over us after he just walked on our tackle and got a sack to win the game, it's like, well, maybe you need to find another sport because you need to grow up. These grown men making grown plays. This game is physical and things happen. So it's a, it's a bit bad that it happened like that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Some big stories floating around as we speak. So we're recording this on a Thursday night. And uh, just before I sat down, I haven't had a look at any NFL news for a good four or five hours. I'm reading that there's a possibility of Cam Newton going back to the Carolina Panthers. Oh, it's, not, it's not a possibility. It's done. It's done. He's, he's gone. Yeah. Back. yeah, he's done. Yeah, he's back. Yeah. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Over to you. I just saw that yeah. there's a possibility. Yeah. Adam Schefter was like, there's a possibility he could be going back. Well, now you're telling yeah. me he's gone I, back. I would say there's a possibility that he's going to start because in the quarterback room with him, PJ Walker and Matt Barkley. Now, if Cam Newton is not a better option than those two, then you would think there's something wrong in that room. <laughs> I don't think he's going back there to back anybody up, do you? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. I think they so definitely... So Sam Darnold out? Is he... Yeah, six that? weeks. Older, oh. six, 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 seven weeks. I, I, they definitely not brought Cam back. It's, it's almost like... A, it's like partly a... Um, I return to retire type thing. But at the same time, Cam Newton can still play this game and he did it at a very high level at New England. It's just unfortunate that the, most of the defense opted out, right? And we all know that the New England Patriots don't have the best pieces on offense too. Reason why Brady left and went to Tampa. But I mean, you're talking about a guy, I mean, I had to write some stuff down. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, Liable for 240 touchdowns total. 240, that's 1,400 points he's put up 
down there. We're not talking about extra points. We're talking about he's six points tucked down. That's 1,400 points this man's uh, responsible for. You're bringing in a guy who knows the game. It's definitely slowed down for him. The only question is his durability. He's been a very, very durable quarterback his whole career. Obviously, even playing through the injuries. So, you know, the toughness is there. My only reservation with Cam has been his arm talent. And it's it's kind of gotten worse and worse over the years. So, it'll be interesting to see. as a Because as a backup, you know, he's a, he's not really a backup. He's a star. But usually when you go to your backups, your the, the game plan usually changes and you maybe become a bit more throwing or maybe you go a bit more running depending on who your backup is. I know Matt Barkley trained with him coming out of college. He was a great quarterback. He's a good backup. But will he be able to go in there and do a better job than Cam Newton? Absolutely not. The other kid, PJ Tucker, I don't know much about him. But will he be able to do a better, better job than Cam? Absolutely not. So I think the Carolina Panthers made the greatest move for that franchise going forward, especially this year. And knows that little about PJ Tucker. His name's actually PJ Walker. So that tells you a great bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just actually watched <laughs> PJ Tucker last night for the. <laughs> I almost said PJ Hooker. PJ Walker. PJ Hooker. You know what? Though? You think about it, right? You think about it. So the Carolina Panthers have absolutely nothing to play for. They can't get in the playoffs, right? Starting off okay. Now they stink. What better way if you're the owner? to keep interest in the city and your team the rest of the way, then bring Cam Newton back, get him to play quarterback. As Menelik says, if he then retires at the end of the season, he's been drafted first overall by your franchise and he retires with your franchise. And a season that would drift away under relatively new ownership now has massive interest in Charlotte and and Carolina because they've got the face of the franchise back and and he's going to kind of lead them the rest of the way. So... I think in terms of an ownership decision, it's the perfect thing to do because otherwise, why would you bother having any interest in the Carolina Panthers? Absolutely. I, 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 do, feel, I do feel bad for Sam Darnold. I was a big fan of Sam Darnold coming out of college. I thought he showed a lot of maturity at USC. Um, unfortunately, for him, he was drafted to one of the worst franchises in the league, the New York Jets. And I found it very hilarious. I found it very eye-opening, that game versus the Patriots, the infamous ghost game, right? And... When he came to the sideline, he was like, man, I'm seeing ghosts out there. And everyone wanted to laugh about it. Especially in America, the analysts and the TV people were going crazy. And they don't understand it is a real condition as a quarterback. When you've been hit so many times, and this isn't people coming over and just touching your jersey. I'm talking about big, grown men trying to pull your leg out of its socket, trying to pull your arm out of its socket. Do anything just to make sure you don't return. Because with you on the floor, there's a danger that can lose. If your offensive line is not making it a priority to keep you protected, not just the sacks, but the hurries and the hits, and minimize those, after a while, a guy will include that type of ghost effect where they're seeing, they're seeing somebody open, but the fact that no one's hit them in two seconds is kind of got the blinkers going and they'll just rather release the ball than take another hit because it feels too good to be true. And I thought Carolina was a great new start for him. I think they started off really well. Um, but I think with a lot of these rule changes, a lot of teams were fooled. And I think a lot of teams thought they were better than they were. And I always felt like Carolina were good. And at the beginning of the year when they were undefeated, and everyone was giving them their flowers. I was like, listen, that's a young team. Their defense is still young. They've got a lot of maturing to do. Their offensive line is new. So they've got some maturing to do. And Sam Darnold, for the first time in his career, was actually feeling like, an NFL quarterback, he wasn't running for his life. He wasn't having him do the most. He could just, he could plug in and do his job. Then, obviously, the NFL season starts going. You get to week five. It's, it's when the body started to break down, little injuries here and there. Now, because things aren't as balanced as they were the first four or five weeks of the season, now everything starts unveiling. Sam starts taking those hits. He thought he was overtaking. and lands on his shoulder. And now the Carolina Panthers are kind of like playing now to get prepared for the future because here's the thing. Two things are going to happen with Cam going back. Either Tam, Cam's really going to resurrect himself because the way he sounds is that he's re- he's not just here to just show up. Hey, it feels good to be out here. I'm glad I'm back in Carolina. Give me me flowers. Let me retire from the sunset. I think he's really has his eyes set on a full return, uh, maybe a couple, three, four years left in him. So now the Carolina have to assess, is Cam Newton going to be our future 
what are we going to do with Sam Darnold, right? Or are we going to look to draft somebody next year? So there's a lot of, even though they've put a Band-Aid over this big wound, right? It's going to open up again. And whether it's Cam Newton's uh, lack of ability, uh, 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 availability, should I say, is it we get Sam Darnold back and we open up the quarterback competition in week 13, 14 of the season? Do we just say, hey, we're just going to count our losses with Sam Darnold? We'll start fresh. We'll look at some of these college kids. Or is it going to be, hey, Cam Newton looks a better option than Sam Darnold, so we'll stick with Cam until the wheels fall off. But while we're doing that, we'll constantly be kind of making our moves. So there's a lot of things that um, need to go into this. I just, I'm just excited. I'll be definitely tuned in keenly to see what type of Cam Newton comes out of this little break he's had away from the NFL. Menlik, as, a, as, a, as an all-lineman, does it worry you that Cam's release is so slow now? Because that's one thing that has massively changed is his yeah. arm strength. It's not as, as strong as he was, but it's also yeah. his his release as a quarterback. You know, he's yeah. he's not necessarily a, a two two step drop quarterback. He's a he's a three and a four step drop quarterback. Yeah. But his release is so slow now. Yeah. It's yeah. like, dude, yeah. just get rid of the damn thing. And I, and I think I think part of that's his processing. I think if you haven't been kind of training your brain to process things differently um, um, as you get older, it's not it doesn't get easier just because you've been in the league. 10 plus years and you've got this experience doesn't mean that the game will necessarily slow down for you. I think what's allowed Cam to continue to play the, in the league at a certain level is his physical, his God-given abilities as a physical grown-ass man. But his arm talent has always been a question. And I think people used to harp on it back in the day, but it wasn't a problem because he would miss two wide-open receivers, but then hit a dime down the field. And it would kind of negate the fact that the last two drives, he was abysmal. And then he comes out in the next drive and then he's all of a sudden, he's check down, check down, check down, bomb down the field, touchdown, Carolina Panthers go up. So as time's gone on, he's taken more and more hits. I think he's tried, especially in the last couple of years, his last two years in Carolina when his body was really betraying him, I think he really tried to harp on his release and things like that. And then I think he started having over injury issues. So I think he just kind of went back to what he knows best. And that's what we saw a lot in, 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 in New England and, and, it's not gonna cut it, not at this level. These, I mean, I mean, the athletes are getting better and better every year, and these kids are becoming better pros every every single year. And we always see these young guys coming in, and and, and and you're watching teams like Tampa Bay and all these teams losing guys, Seattle losing guys in the secondary, and they're plugging playing guys, and guys are they're not missing a beat, right? So Cam's gonna have to Cam's gonna have to catch up with the speed of the league now, and then once he's caught up with the speed, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Can you show him, like, hey, listen to somebody? Or are they going to go, hey, let's pull out the old film, the old archives, see the things that used to do well. Let's put the running play. Hey, Cam, how's your body feeling? You feel good? Can we put in some of these play actions? Can we put in some of these option plays? The read options, can we throw them? Do you feel confident running again? Or do, would you rather stay in the pocket? I wouldn't put my money on Cam Newton being a pocket passer. I just wouldn't. And uh, But being Cam and being able to just go out there and play make, you know, I, I'm very partial to Cam. I felt like I was very disappointed in his Super Bowl effort. I think that was... It for oh, me. don't get me started on that. I know, I know. And, it, and, it, and it's rough, and I'm sure he probably doesn't want to hear about it again. But Ugh. I always felt that moment when that ball was right by his foot and he didn't jump on it. I, oh, I, I, and I specifically said in that moment, I said, Cam will never be back at the Super Bowl ever again. Because oh. at the time, Cam was the MVP. Cam was playing out of his mind. They should have been undefeated, but they rested on the starters that last game and went 15 and one. They kind of they went through the playoffs. They kind of walked through the playoffs, but and they faced some adversity. And the way the Denver's defense was playing, I don't think anyone would have beaten that day. But that moment right there told me a lot about Cam's personality. And I felt like that? he just I felt like he, he you know he was MVP. The team's balling. Everyone's kind of in their prime, right? And I think the attitude was very much like we'll be back again. So rather than me dive into this pile and potentially get hurt. Let me save myself and just say, hey, the better team won today, we'll be back again. And that's not how it works. Only the Patriots have proven to do that. That was one of the um, most disappointing performances I've seen from someone that I've 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 wanted to watch play football. Yeah. Yeah. Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. So yeah. disappointed. But like you say, you got to doff your cap to the Denver defense. They had their card yeah. marked they, right. They, they the were, and, I've, and I've spoke to a bunch of them when I actually signed there. And I spoke to them a lot about, I spoke to Vaughn Nakib and, and, and TJ Ward about that Super Bowl. 
they were not losing that Super Bowl. Let's just get that thing clear. Peyton Manning was wherever Peyton Manning. They were not losing that Super Bowl. And that offensive line for Carolina got manhandled. And it's fine. And as Cam, I felt like Cam kind of sensed it middle of the third quarter. Because usually after the half, it's like, hey, we've been playing bad. Third quarter, we'll start again. And I sensed it. And like I said, I just felt like Cam was like, hey, we've just been bested today. We'll be back. And that's not how it works. And if everyone will pay attention, that's when the team started breaking down because you got to understand, for a couple of years before that, they were playing about 18 games a year because they were always in the playoffs, but they were always falling short. So 18, 16 games is a lot, but playing 17, 18 games a year shortens your off-season, right? And then once your off-season is shortened, it's like less time to kind of prepare for another 16 games the way you usually do. But then you kind of get over that hope. You finally make it to the big dance and you lose. And some guys are thinking, we'll be fine, we'll be back. A lot of guys thinking, I'm going somewhere to go get paid. Another guy's thinking, damn, I hope I'm on the team next year, right? So then it's a whole new team and you start again and it's not the same. And then all of a sudden that feeling of invincibility, like, oh, I'm Cam Newton, it kind of brings you humble, it humbles you a little bit. Then the body starts breaking down. Then the arm ain't the way. Then you lose your best receiver. Then your defensive player retires. And then blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're staring at the staring at your career and you're like, man, what happened? Right. And I think that was probably one of the saddest tales. I'm like, that Cam Newton didn't win a Super Bowl. But here he goes. And maybe he feels that he has a chance again and he's resurrecting. But I think him and the franchise kind of need to be on the same page this year. Because this year can actually bring him back, or it can be a disaster. But he'll, regardless, the guys get retired as a Carolina Panther. So it's, I think it's interesting. I think it was the best move they could have made. All right. So let's quickly move on before we wrap it up. Uh, there's talk of Odell Beckham Jr. going to either the Raiders or the Saints, but there's also talk of him just bowing out for the rest of this season, getting fit, and then putting himself in the mix for the 2022 season. What are your thoughts, Fletch? He could have signed with the team this week, but he's decided not to. So that kind of tells me that <clears throat> he just wants to see the way this weekend goes. He's clearly going to try and chase a ring this year. So a lot of talk about him signing for the Saints. That seemed to be the favourite. But the fact he's not done it this week, I don't know what that tells you, really. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know, I would have thought he would have wanted to get it done and play, but, but right. maybe not. And he's going to take the weekend to take a look at maybe the way one or two things go. I mean, there's there's obviously some big consideration that he needs to make before he actually decides which way he's going to go. And that would kind of tell me that he's waiting to see something in week 10 that's going to persuade him one way or the other with one of these teams that he's looking at. I, I don't know what that is, but he had the option to do it this week and they would all have been ready to take him this week. So this is clearly an Odell situation that he's, He's still got to work out something and see something before he completely decides where the short term, certainly for the rest of this season, is going to be. And that can only mean that he's he's trying to work out the plot the best route to the yeah. Super Bowl. Otherwise, you know, why would you rush it? Menelik, is he is he worth the hassle? I, I, I know Odell personally. I, I love Odell. I think he's a great human being. I think people kind of get. I think me and Darren, we, me and Darren, we talked sorry, last week and. I think his personality is a, sometimes is too big for a team and it can be intimidating. Um, I think that's why Cleveland kind of had to let go of him. I, I'm, as we spoke last week, Darren, I think um, I was saying that I feel, I see him going somewhere with a, like a kind of like a similar AB situation. I think Odell's got to go somewhere where he can just get back to football, you know, and and, he's, and keep the main thing, the main thing. And I think that's what's helped resurrect AB. And we saw uh, Bruce Arians, see, he made a comment a couple of days ago about, on Odell, he said, we've already got AB, we don't need OBJ. And he's like, I think that'd be too many letters. And <laughs> I think, you know, and I think that might be a, 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 a euphemism for the characters, right? How many characters do you need in a room? You know, teams aren't built on talent, it's built on the best possible team. We've seen that time and time again with New England. So for me, I would, I could see him going to Green Bay. I was just going to say... I was just going to say, do you think that fit with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. who yeah. who has wanted the, the franchise? Darren and I spoke about this on Five Live when we watched them play uh, this past weekend. Aaron Rodgers fell out with the franchise because they didn't give him the weapons to fight the battle, to win the yeah. war, to go yeah. to the dance, as you called yeah. it. Uh, this is a great opportunity for them to relinquish all of that and say, do you yeah. know what? If you want a receiver, 
Let's bring in Odell Beckham. Let's yeah. give him a half-decent contract and let's see how he behaves. However, I can imagine that when they write out the contract waiting for his signature, they're going to put in a lot of extras. Like, you will behave oh. this way. You will not do this. You will behave like this. And, and you know what? I, I think they potentially could, but I don't think that's something that would respond well with a kid like that. You well, would you, not, but would you not want... Would you have a chat with him? I mean, you know what it's like in a locker room yourself because you've been there. Yeah. Uh, do coaches have a chat with a player and say, Odell, we know you're a big personality. We yeah. know you like to be vocal. Let's just win football games. Let's yeah. fly yeah. under the radar. Aaron's going to get the ball to you. I guarantee that. You're going to be the first check on the playlist, okay? On the yeah. on the passing route, okay? Don't blow up your ego in Green Bay <laughs> yeah. because it's a franchise that can't deal with that. Yeah, that, 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 that it's either done by, by a GM or a head coach. And, and, and definitely something they'll discuss in a meeting before they even call the agent, right? They might call and get in, get some intrigue. And then it's like, okay, this is what, and they'll have a conversation with the, with the agent to kind of see where Odell's at. But when Odell gets in the building, that's definitely a conversation we'll have. I don't think it will be to the degree, like I said, I, I feel like, I feel like a big, a very crucial part is people managing. And I think the best coaches are the best people managers and they get the most out of guys because they kind of, tap into who you are. They don't just see you as a number, which you can usually get done as the NFL. It's like, hey, you're the starting tackle, but we got a backup tackle who's pretty good and then we got a backup tackle that's pretty good. So if you mess up, you're out of it, we'll plug him in. And if he's not good, there's certain guys you kind of need that personal touch and Odell is definitely one of those guys because his talent succeeds anything else. I think, as I was saying last week, he needs to be with a veteran, veteran quarterback, first and foremost, uh, established team, and a situation that's flexible for him. I think with Aaron Rodgers' uncertainty after this season, with Aaron Rodgers going back and saying, okay, this is my one year, let's not focus on next year, let's focus on this year, let's be all in, right? And the way they've all responded, the, 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 the way you have to be careful is bringing in a personality that strong. How's it going to affect the rest of the team? I think they've got enough vets over there and enough level-headed guys like Randall Cobb, right? Uh, uh, even Devontae Adams, they're not going to stand for certain type of behaviours and they won't allow their room to be uh, decimated because of they brought in a new body. And I also believe that Odell at this point in his career is overall the stuff that's been going on in his career has kind of plagued his career. So I think I I just don't see him. I mean, Big Ben is kind of over the hill, right? Tom Brady's already got enough weapons. Um, you know, people talking to Seattle, but I just don't think he, you know, he likes the the um the cold. <laughs> Mind you, we're talking about Green Bay. We're talking about Green Bay, though. <laughs> right. And and, the, and 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 Seattle's offense is very hit and miss, right? It's very highlight reeled. Um, so I'm I'm kind of running all the scenarios and I'm trying to think where is probably the best. And and Fletch, you mentioned it, him potentially sitting out for the year. And I can also see that too, because a lot of teams like the, the established teams are rolling. Do they want to bring in more people? Probably not, right? Uh, mid-season. And I tell it like Odell, yes. With all the drama, they're very unsure. So the potential for him to start out of the year is there, but I think someone's going to bring him in. And in my eyes, you put Odell and Devontae Adams on the same field, it is a nightmare. With Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we're not talking about a Brady who's like, hey, I need you at 12. If I need you at 12, I need to be there at 12. Because if you hit that comeback at 12, I mean, the post is right there. Hopefully we can draw us. Like, that's that's the mindset of a Tom Brady. Now, Aaron Rodgers is like, I need you at 12, but this protection might break down, so keep it moving, right? And we, <laughs> and I might just make an adjustment based off what I see as soon as we line up. I think that pairing, and, and Aaron Rodgers isn't young enough, and we just seen with, with, with Baker Mayfield having issues with too many weapons, and he was having issues like trying to get Odell the ball so he was missing other guys that were open and then he's going to other guys but then Odell's open and he can't seem he just can't seem to get it right and he's just like listen I just want to go back to playing football right so him going to Green Bay will be a great situation where he'll get the ball he have a chance to win a Super Bowl and then after the year with Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham all being free agents then they can all kind of part ways amicably and uh, look for future future spots all right, Darren is rolling the blue tack in his fingers. And when Darren rolls the blue tack in his fingers, it means he's got something to say, Darren. Darren, the floor is yours, brother. <laughs> no, just, just, just ESPN had just reported that he's down to three teams. It's either Kansas City, Green Bay or New Orleans. And if he is going to pursue this 
and want to win a ring, then it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, the, yeah. the chances of, of Kansas City or New Orleans being in the playoffs, right. it's a 50-50 at the minute when you look at the way they're playing in the record. I mean, Green Bay are a very strong contender in the NFC. If he's down to those three and it's about trying to chase a ring, then it doesn't, to me, seem to be much of a, a competition unless... And, I mean, New Orleans, to me, a part of, I think he went to LSU, didn't he? So, yeah. yeah. Connection that he wants to go home, but I mean they've not even got a quarterback for next year. All you would say is that would he would if Kansas City said to him, "Listen, we'll give you a multi-year deal, and you can play with Patrick Mahomes for the next three years." Right. Could be a persuasive argument that he doesn't Absolutely. get in the playoff this year, but he then has Mahomes as his quarterback for the rest yep. of his career, which which is a persuasive argument. But if he's chasing the ring, it has to be Green Bay. What I have done, Vern, while Menelik was talking. I very, very quickly rattled down some numbers because you asked for them, but I'd forgotten about them altogether. But I, so I've only got three. I normally have more than that. Yeah. I've actually got them written down quickly in my own writing, which is not ideal. And I'll just, just <laughs> if I can read the writing, we'll be okay. But I will. Well, Darren, 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 I've got to say, I'm going to preempt this. You have to be quick because I'm about to take to the stage and announce Wheelbarrow of the Year. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that, we can have that as number four. Through the winner, right. Will about right. Okay, so uh, very quickly, so the Titans have the best record in the AFC. They've officially played the toughest schedule in the NFL so far to get that record, and they now officially have the easiest schedule left. So you would put a pretty strong bet on the fact that the Titans would be the number one seed in the AFC, and everything would go through Tennessee. Also, the worst division in football. Can I just add that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, but I mean, they're beating good teams. If you absolutely, absolutely, they're, yeah. they're an outlier in that division. The absolutely. Ravens. I, I thought this was this was fantastic. This is why we love the Ravens. The Ravens are three and one this season when they trail by double digits in the second half. Three okay. and one when they trail by double digits in the second half. That is very, very rare. Who is giving out them speeches at halftime? Jeez, right. Oh, right. your mate, your mate, John Harbaugh. He's, he's well. He's always he likes a Bud Light. Met you in Minneapolis. He learned a lot that day. <laughs> Super Bowl. Um, and it's we we talked a little bit on Sunday about that wonderful anomaly when Josh Allen of Jacksonville sacked Josh Allen of, of Buffalo and all that. It was the fourth time in league history that a quarterback has faced wow. a defensive player with the same name. Wow. And bizarrely, the defensive player. Is four and zero in those. Wow. The QB wow. never beaten the defensive guy. See, First of all, we can get these numbers. You think they're difficult to find? They're straight wow. in. That's, that's fantastic. That's, the D that's impressive numbers, mate. That is impressive. Wow. D guy four and zero. Wow. And the award for Bush Trimmer of the Year goes. To- <laughs> 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 What are you wearing tonight for this? Have you got yeah, to wear, like, you wear? Tuxedo. Full tuxedo. Yeah. You're gonna wear like a check shirt and stuff. Have you uh, like to- Hey, no. I'm gonna walk on stage in a pair of Wellington boots with my horse lock horse pipe, and I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> And a tuxedo. And a tuxedo. Yeah. Yes, but the thing is, hey, I'm gonna whisper this in case there's someone next door in the in the in the room. I've done this for three years in a row. All right. Last year doesn't count because of COVID. <laughs> Right, the weeks that follow, my postman gets more and more hench because I get what? sent stuff. Like he's got to do a workout, taking all the crap off the back of the van and dropping it off at the gate because I've had lawn mowers, I've had strimmers, what? I've had hose pipes, I've what? had seeds for my lawn. Oh, that's I've like aerators. You, it's like Christmas for gardeners. That, this event. That's like that's like. Hey, Vernon, remember that John Deere. Just exactly. And they're in the room yeah. tonight, Menelik. They're in yeah. the room. It's kicking off tonight, I swear it down. Yeah. I right. swear it down, mate. I'll tell you what, I'll get you on. Whatever it is, I'll get you on. <laughs> you can send all the gardening stuff over there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm trying to get a farm as well, so tell them I need a cedar. Uh, hey, I'm not joking. I've, I've got a knock at the door. Well. <laughs> uh, boys, it's an absolute pleasure to see your faces when we record the fumble. Menelik, thank you very much. Another uh, perfect insight into the league and what goes on in the locker room. Darren, enjoy your trip to LA. The Chargers 
and the Minnesota Vikings, two great quarterbacks, two great offenses, I think you're going to see. Uh, and, and let's not forget, you're going to SoFi Stadium, which is going to be out of this world. And you know what you can do, Darren, is you can keep the seats warm for when we get there in February. Just yep. let them know that we're coming. That's all we require. I will do that, but I'll also, I'll also have a bit of a recce around the club shop as well while I'm there and see where all that is. <laughs> hey, he ain't lying. He ain't yeah. lying. Yeah. Uh, right, this has been a Shooting Sharp production. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. More next week on Darren's trip. Menelik, uh, just yeah. quickly, what's going on in Denver this week? What are you up to? Uh, working out. Uh, got to clean my bloody ass. Got my rooms clean. Got to clean the car. It's a very chill weekend for me. No travelling. Everyone's always wondering where I'm at next. Right, I might nice. take a cheeky trip to LA, uh, Dan. I might pull up on you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Never know. Uh, it's yeah. Sunday, uh, Saturday to Tuesday, and you'd be more than welcome. More than oh, welcome. Yeah, yeah but just a quick heads up, Melek. He is the worst drinking partner in the world. <laughs> yeah, but Lauren, Lauren, this is F's good. She's great. She can drink. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you yeah, yeah. She's taking the missus. So yeah. once again, uh, fellas, thanks very much. I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 